Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. My name is Jared St. Clair and it's good to be with you again to talk health, nutrition, fitness, and all things vitality here on the air with you. I promised last week at the end of the show, if you listened last week, that I would finish off my thoughts on anxiety, sleep, and things like that, alternatives that you can use to help you sleep better. I didn't really ever get into the sleep part, but I did dig into the anxiety quite a bit. And uh, so I want to definitely talk sleep, and that will be after the rant uh, today. So if you did tune in this week thinking, hey, maybe he's going to talk about sleep and insomnia, that will happen in a few minutes when I am done with the morning rant. Vitality Radio is, of course, here for one real strong purpose, and that is advocacy. I really like to let you know how I feel about certain things that are not really addressed properly, in my opinion, or at all in uh, the media. And in many cases, they actually are addressed. They just get glossed over. And uh, that is not okay. There's some really important stuff going on with health and nutrition in this country. Some really important stuff that's happened recently locally in Utah and uh, certainly nationally. And I'm going to focus on something that has to do with sports, the Super Bowl, and marijuana during the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, back to the rant topic. The Super Bowl is just a little over one week away. We unfortunately have to see the Patriots one more time, uh, and we get to watch them against the Rams. Go Rams in this case. But regardless of who you're rooting for, doesn't really matter that much based on what I'm going to rant about today. Did you hear, did you see in the news that CBS, the carrier of the Super Bowl, has chosen to reject a medical marijuana advertisement? Now, if you didn't see that, or if you did just see the headline, I don't know if that was is surprising to you, shocking, not surprising at all. If you would have been shocked if they did re- accept it, it'll be interesting to hear feedback on what people think. But I have a very strong opinion on this, and it might not be quite the opinion that you think it is. Anyway, we're going to jump into that right now. So on Yahoo.com, there was a pretty good article written about this, and uh, I also read one from USA Today. And uh, I read one on Esquire, and I read one on CBS.com. Anyway, I've got a few things put together here. And so I'm going to read from a couple of these articles that were written about this ad, the ad that CBS chose not to accept. 
The company was willing to pay the $5.2 million to uh, put a 30-second ad on. They even considered maybe doing a $10 million spot, in other words, a one-minute spot. But they weren't even given the opportunity. So here's what it says. Acreage Holdings, which is the cannabis cultivation, processing, and dispensing business, said it produced a 60-second ad that shows three people suffering from varying health issues who say their lives were made better by use of medical marijuana. Acreage said its ad agency sent storyboards for the ad to the network and received a return email that said CBS will not be accepting any ads for medical marijuana at this time. A CBS spokesperson told USA Today Sports that under CBS broadcast standards, it does not currently accept cannabis-related advertising. Now, George Allen, who... uh, is not to be confused with the George Allen that used to coach the Redskins way back when. He is the president of Acreage, and he says, we're not particularly surprised that CBS and or the NFL rejected the content. And it's actually less a statement about them and more, I think, a statement about where we stand right now in this country. And I couldn't agree more with Mr. Allen. I mean, let's face it, CBS, the NFL, they're big, big, multi billion dollar multinational multi everything corporations and their image is uh, you know their biggest concern and anything that might screw up that image in their eyes uh, which apparently running a cannabis ad would do they're going to be very cautious you know the shareholders get a little antsy when that kind of stuff happens so I get that Allen said the issue is really that 30 states plus the District of Columbia allow varying forms of marijuana use, while the federal government still classifies marijuana as a Schedule I drug under the Controlled Substance Act. One of the hardest parts about this business is the ambiguity that we operate within, Allen said. We do the best we can to navigate a complex fabric of state and federal policy, much of which conflicts. Now, 100% right. In fact, it's really interesting. Even with just CBD, which is not marijuana, it comes from industrial hemp, the stuff that we sell at Vitality, we have had to recognize that there is a lot of stuff going on politically with this hemp plant. You know, back in January a year ago in Utah, that CBD became expressly legal thanks to some pretty good legislation. It was just November that medical marijuana was passed into law at the uh, the vote here in Utah. And here in the next few months, we'll eventually see some dispensaries popping up in Utah. Now, a lot of issues with how that law <laughs> got gutted after it got put into place, but we'll see how that works out. The point of the matter is there's been a lot going on in this state recently, but nationally, holy smokes, so much going on. You know, 89% of people polled are in favor of medical marijuana in this country now. So it's interesting that if 89% of people are in favor of it, CBS would still be concerned about running the ad. Is it because it's nationally illegal? Is it because they just haven't updated their policies yet? I mean, they're going to be running all kinds of beer ads, all kinds of Doritos ads, Taco Bell, and all these kind of places. I mean, We have to face it, right, that beer and fast food lead to more death than marijuana ever has or ever will. 
And more addiction, for sure, food addiction is far more brutal than marijuana could possibly be. A lot of people say that marijuana is, even though it's not chemically addictive, is still addictive because people want the high. And there's debate about that one way or the other. But the point of the matter is it doesn't matter if it's addictive because the big drug that we'd love to replace with marijuana is an opiate. And opiates are incredibly addictive. And, of course, alcohol is addictive, and they'll have 50 spots for Bud Light on the Super Bowl. So it's there's a lot of – what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe hypocrisy with this decision, but not a lot of surprise. Maybe a year from now, it'll be better. I don't know. So what was the ad? That's the thing that I find very interesting. I think Acreage had it exactly right. The unfinished version of the 67 ad or 62nd ad introduces a Colorado boy who suffers from Dravet syndrome. His mother says her son would have dozens to hundreds of seizures a day and medical marijuana has literally saved his life. A Buffalo man says he was on opioids for 15 years after three back surgeries and that medical marijuana gave him his life back. An Oakland man who lost part of his leg in military service says his pain was unbearable until medical marijuana. The time is now, say the words on the screen near the end of the ad. Then the screen shifts and viewers are asked to call on their representatives in the U.S. House and Senate to advocate for change. Fine print at the bottom says the testimonials in the ad come from the experience of the individuals who have not been evaluated by the FDA. The fine print also says marijuana is a Schedule One controlled substance and medical use has not been approved in some states. Now, George Allen, the president of the company, he says, look, from my third grade government class, we live in a representative democracy. And in theory, our elected officials are supposed to support legislative action that is in keeping with the will of the people. So what's the goal of this ad? You know, they didn't have a single mention of any of their products. There was no retailing done. It's an advocacy ad. He considers it a public service announcement. And I would agree. If 89% of Americans now support medical marijuana, then the people in Washington ought to start paying attention. If 30-plus states have passed medical and or recreational marijuana, isn't it time that Washington finally woke up? The answer, of course, in my opinion, is an absolute emphatic yes, but it has yet to happen. Now, as I said before, I'm not really the least bit surprised that the NFL and the CBS don't want to put a medical marijuana ad on during their big showcase game. The NFL shoves Toradol down the throats of his players daily and opiates are being slung around as if they're candy. So there's a double standard there anyway, because the NFL does not allow marijuana. Marijuana is still considered uh, absolutely not okay, even in states where marijuana is legal and players are losing their careers over getting drug tested for marijuana, yet they can be tested and have opiates in their system, and that's just fine. Well, is it fine? I mean, think about the NFL. It's a very, very violent sport. We hear about CTE, the post-concussion syndrome stuff. We talk about the new helmets that are supposed to help protect against that. We have the new concussion protocols, and so on and so forth. We know the NFL is a problem when it comes to pain, These guys are superhuman almost, running at incredible rates of speed into 
very, very large masses of humanity, there is pain involved. So finally, last year, somebody did a study on it. Here are the key findings from the study. 52% of retired players said that they used prescription pain medication during their playing days. Of those, 71% said they misused the drugs then, and 15% of the misusers acknowledged misusing the medication within the last 30 days. So in other words, they're still misusing it and or addicted to the stuff. Now, that would be, in almost all cases, an opiate. And we know there's an opioid epidemic in this country, and yet the NFL, in their incredible, uh, what's the word, stupidity, distrust of their players, lack of concern for player safety, maybe, I don't know what it is, but they are absolutely opposed to marijuana, and I'm going to talk about one particular owner here in a minute, and yet they're not opposed to opiates or very, very powerful drugs such as Toradol. Now, how about this? Those who misuse prescription painkillers while playing were three times more likely to misuse the drugs today than those who use the pills as prescribed while playing. That makes sense. If they misused them before, they're more likely to misuse them again. 63% of the retired players who use prescription pain pills while playing obtain the medications from a non-medical source, a teammate, coach, trainer, family member, dealer, or on the internet. Did you know that NFL players, ex-NFL players, are four times as likely to have an opioid addiction versus the average adult in America? Well, of course they are, right? Because they're going to live with pain the rest of their lives, many of them. And they were given these opioids at probably whatever rate they requested during their playing days. That's a hard thing break away from. All you got to do is talk to anyone who's ever been addicted to an opiate to understand just how brutal that addiction can be. So we have to recognize that this, the problem is maybe not so much CBS and the NFL as it is just the general issue with marijuana still being demonized. Because I think, and, and I could be wrong, But I think that if we stopped looking at marijuana as a drug and started looking at it as an herb, if the federal government finally said, okay, enough already, marijuana is no longer part of the quote-unquote failed war on drugs, if the DEA didn't care, if police didn't care, if the FBI didn't care about marijuana, Things could progress, and for these NFL players in particular, that could be incredibly powerful, but it can also be powerful for your grandma, who's got chronic debilitating pain, who is having to resort to opiates or high levels of Tylenol or ibuprofen, and I'll tell you this right now, my mom fell and broke her back. She broke, she got a compression fracture in her spine, and the doctor recommendation an opioid. Of course it was. I would far rather have her on marijuana. It's not even close. Now, we're not doing that at this time because, well, right now, anyway, some sort of a weird legal gray area until you can, like, you can, (laughs) it's strange. My understanding is you can use marijuana in this state if you've got a medical reason for it, 
and you've got a doctor that will back that up, but you can't buy it in the state yet, and it's illegal to transport it across state lines, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with mom, but right now, we're doing everything we can with natural painkillers because we don't want her addicted to that stuff. So that's a real life thing for me and absolutely 100% without hesitation, I'd rather have her on marijuana than an opiate. It's not even close. So let's talk about one more little thing. Arthur Blank, he's the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. He's also uh, known for his Home Depot uh, empire. He said when interviewed about this, I probably would not be in favor of marijuana in the NFL because I'm concerned about the gateway effect that it has on other drugs. Now, that's a very intelligent and very educated and very wealthy man who is completely clueless and stupid when it comes to marijuana, clearly. Now, here's the thing. He's 70 years old. And the reason I use the word stupid, which is a strong word, because I know a lot of 70-year-old people that are real hesitant about marijuana. There is a generation gap with this thing because we had all the reefer madness stuff that went on years ago. It was demonized in a big way by the federal government. And it there was a lot of politics, a lot of politics involved in this whole movement against marijuana back in the day, okay? So if you're in your 70s and you're listening to Vitality Radio, and I happen to know that I've got a really good, strong contingent of people that are in that age range that listen to my show on a regular basis, and you're hesitant about marijuana, I'm not going to say that you're stupid. I'm going to say that you are probably a little misinformed, and I'd like to inform you a little bit better. Now, you can obviously make up your own mind, but the reason I threw out the stupid word with Arthur Blank is this. He employs 53 men who play football for his team, the Atlanta Falcons, who get hurt on a daily basis in practice and on a weekly basis in games. And he's concerned about a gateway effect of medical marijuana for his players, but has apparently no concern about opiates. Are you kidding me, Mr. Blank? Come on. We've got to wake up to the reality. He is in a position as an owner of only, there's only 32 owners in that league, and they make all the rules, right? They hire and fire everybody in that league, including the commissioner. So a guy like Arthur Blank has power, and if you would just read up for a few minutes on how effective marijuana might be for his players, instead of going with whatever he was taught when he was a younger man, he could make a big impact in the NFL. So here's what I believe it is. It boils down to a large extent to be a naive argument against medical marijuana because we have been led to believe that the stuff is dangerous. We've been led to believe that the stuff is addictive, that it's a gateway drug. And I'm telling you right now, Doritos are a bigger gateway drug than marijuana. And I'm not being facetious in that statement. Junk food is far more addictive. Absolutely. I talked about sugar a couple of weeks ago on the radio. Yeah, far more addictive. And yet, it's fine, right? Beer? Are you kidding me? Have you ever heard of an alcoholic? 
I think you have. You might know one. My grandpa was one. I certainly knew one. I know what alcohol and anger and physical and emotional abuse look like through the eyes of my father and his brother. So when we continue to demonize marijuana and yet we say alcohol's just fine. People don't ever hide that they're drinking, right? People talk about it openly. It's fine. I can drink. It's okay. It's legal. I'm 21. All is well. Well, that may be the case because I don't want prohibition back either. But when we demonize marijuana and it, things like alcohol are socially acceptable, there is a problem. And one of the problems that this or the problem that this really highlights with CBS shutting down the possibility for a medical marijuana ad is simply this. It's proof that for some reason, corporate America and our federal government are still going to hold the line against something that can literally be life-saving and is on a daily basis in many states in this country. And it's a problem. So this is what I would recommend. We stop calling marijuana a drug. It isn't. It's an herb. We recognize, like we should with all natural things, that some natural things can be dangerous if misused. And that's absolutely the case for marijuana. I get that. But we also have to recognize it's not a pharmaceutical. Pharmaceuticals are inherently more dangerous. It's not even close. There's far more evidence that even simple things like antacids and Tylenol are far more dangerous than marijuana ever was or ever will be. And we have to stop demonizing this amazing herb, this amazing plant that has so so many benefits. I don't believe that everybody should be smoking pot every day. But there are need there are needs that need to be filled with this herb that we're still fighting against even in this state when we finally passed it, the legislature and corporations here in Utah messed it up. It's not as good as it could have been, but it's better than not having it at all. So baby steps, I guess it is. Maybe next year's Super Bowl, we'll see an ad for medical marijuana. My last story here, because I want to uh, talk about, I, I talked a lot about medical marijuana and the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, but I want to bring it back to CBD because we talked a lot about CBD last week on the show. And there's this story that I need to tell. It's my favorite CBD story. For those of you who are unaware um, or uh, uninformed on this, CBD is part of the hemp plant. It is found in both industrial hemp, the kind of hemp that you make t-shirts and ropes out of, and also in marijuana, the kind that you might smoke if you wanted to either relieve pain or stress or get high. The CBD that we sell at Vitality Nutrition comes from the industrial hemp. You can't get high on it like it's literally impossible. But uh, it is very effective for a lot of the reasons that medical marijuana is effective. It is currently very legal, and because you can't get high, it kind of takes away some of the concerns that a lot of people have for it. Well, oh, I'm going to say maybe a year ago, I had this woman come into Vitality, and she was angry. She looked upset. She looked in pain. She was holding on to her walker. 
leaning forward. And as I tried to answer her questions, she asked me about CBD. As I tried to answer her questions, I could tell that she was frustrated that I was giving too long of an answer, which I am prone to do for sure. And uh, so I sort of cut to the chase and she basically just kept hitting me with, is this going to work? Is this going to work? I've got back pain. It hurts really bad. I'm on a lot of opiates and they barely touch it. I can't walk. I mostly stay in bed and in a chair. And I said, all I can tell you is that CBD is incredibly effective for the people that it is effective for when it comes to pain. I can't promise you it's going to do the job for you, but I am pretty confident it will help. And I sold her a bottle of CBD capsules. Well, it was two or three months later-ish, I really don't know, I lose track of time pretty easily, that I saw the same woman, I thought, but she had a smile on her face, still holding on to her walker, but she wasn't angry looking. And she was buying a product from my son, Bridger, and it was another bottle of the CBD. In fact, I believe she was buying two bottles. She asked me, she said, do you remember me? And I said, I think I do. Uh, Yeah. How's the CBD working for you? And she said, I can't tell you how life-changing this is. I don't take my opiates anymore. I was on them for 10 years, chronic back pain, debilitating back pain. And I don't take them anymore. And I take the CBD and I'm out of pain. Now, I want to restate that really quick. I was on four opiates a day, and they barely were touching it after 10 years, which clinically has been proven. The longer you're on opiates for pain, the less well they work, okay? So that wasn't surprising. But now I'm on CBD, and I am completely out of pain. I asked her how many she was taking. She's taking three capsules a day. Now, that's more than most people take. Most people take one or two, but good grief, I'd take 10 capsules a day to be completely out of pain if I were in her shoes. Amazing. Now, a few months later, she came in and she was stressed out because at this time, oh, you know what? This is more like a year and a half ago. Anyway, she came in and she was stressed out because she heard that CBD might be illegal in Utah. And so she actually bought a couple of spare bottles because she was really, really scared she wouldn't be able to get this stuff. And then she confided in me that she was very seriously considering suicide. Suicide. Now, was that suicide by opiates? I don't know. She was on the opiates for 10 years, or was it suicide simply because she was in severe pain? Well, she said she was in so much pain, and she couldn't get out of it. And she said, if the CBD hadn't worked, I really believe I would have killed myself. You want to talk about a life-saving plant that ought to not be demonized? Hemp is that plant. Now, hemp comes in various forms, marijuana, right, and a whole bunch of different strains of that, plus the hemp that you make rope out of, and yet I get people all the time. I had somebody just last week that was just quizzing the heck out of me about, you know, are you sure it's safe? Are you sure it's not going to hurt me? People have got this taste in their mouth, and it's a bad taste. It was put there by propaganda, not by reality. And uh, we just need to get off of that and uh, get it away because it can really, really improve your health and your life or the health and life of someone you love. So if you don't want to do the marijuana thing, and I understand that you don't like the idea of getting high um, or, uh, you know, you need to 
you can't be loopy at your job or whatever it is. There's a lot of reasons people don't want to get high. I get that. Try CBD. CBD can be incredibly effective. But let's allow the people who are okay with THC, the other component in marijuana, to get that stuff and uh, not be made to feel like a druggie when they do. Okay, I'm going to cut to a break. When I come back, I'm going to finish up what I started talking about last week, and that is anxiety. I talked about a lot. I never really got to sleep, so I'm going to focus mostly on insomnia when I come back, but I'll talk a little bit about anxiety and benzodiazepines and things like that as well. When I return, you're listening to me. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email. Info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Okay, back to the primary topic. I talked about benzodiazepines last week on Vitality Radio. These are the drugs that people use that are like Xanax, Valium, things like that to help them calm down from high anxiety. And last week I also talked about CBD being an amazing alternative to that and so is uh, medical marijuana for sure. This is kind of part two because what I didn't do is I didn't really get into the sleep part and that's a big deal. I have so many people who have been prescribed Xanax or uh, lorazepam or something like that for sleep and that's not even what they're prescribed for or supposed to be prescribed for. They're supposed to be prescribed for short-term anxiety issues. And yet I've had people come in and tell me, yeah, I take it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years for sleep. Well, that stinks because those drugs are really addictive. There's all kinds of problems with them and they're almost at opiate level in terms of concern. And so whether or not you're on one of those drugs or have been prescribed one of those drugs and have decided not to use it, prescribed one and decided to use it, um, have had to be on one for years, it would be very, very wise to figure out a way to not be on those drugs. Those benzodiazepines are very dangerous. And so are things like Ambien, totally different kind of drug, but that one can get you in all kinds of trouble as well. So what do we do 
about sleep naturally. I'll tell you one thing that I tell people every time they ask me about sleep at Vitality Nutrition. Trial and error is the name of the game when it comes to sleep, and I hate to say that, but it's true. You will try things that do not work. You probably have tried things that do not work. But just because you've tried natural things that don't work doesn't mean there's not a natural thing that will work for you. Sometimes it's a combination of things. And nobody wants to take two or three things, but nobody wants to have insomnia either. And sometimes that just is what it is. So how do you figure out what's going to work for you? What can you do? Is it going to be safe? And that is the magic of this whole thing. I said trial and error. Well, you do trial and error with Xanax, you can end up dead or addicted. You do trial and error with valerian root or trial and error with theanine or trial and error with CBD. Well, your error is you tried something, it didn't work, and now you need to move on to the next thing. No harm done. So I'm going to talk about those things in a minute. But first, I'm going to talk about a few things that I think are really important when it comes to sleep. I've been reading a book by a guy named Matthew Walker. He's a world-renowned sleep scientist. And he has taught me more about sleep than I ever could have possibly imagined. I originally heard him on a podcast. I was so impressed with him that I decided I needed to listen uh, to more. And so I downloaded his audio book. And I listened to him for almost three hours on the podcast and he gave what I would I figure must be a condensed version of his 14-hour-long book. But now I'm almost five chapters into his book, and it's fascinating stuff. I need to finish it up because it's just the more I listen, the more I appreciate the science and how important sleep is. It's huge, especially if you deal with anxiety and depression, because sleep is the ultimate antidepressant. It really is. It takes the stress down. It changes you hormonally neurotransmitter-wise, everything changes. So what do we do from a lifestyle perspective that can help us sleep? Well, the single biggest thing, and it's a big deal, is a schedule. According to Dr. Walker, you need to have um, a minimum of eight hours if you're an adult. And a lot of people don't allow that for themselves. I would say maybe most people don't allow that for themselves. And that's a hard thing to do. You have 24 hours in the day, A lot of us, including me, don't feel like we ever have time to get everything done. But if you can figure it out, that 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. thing, that eight hours, that's a beautiful thing. And if you can get on a schedule that has you going to bed at the same time every night, getting up at the same time every morning, you know, give or take a few minutes maybe, that is a huge, huge factor. And you should definitely consider that. Okay, another one. Cut the blue light before bed. Get your eyes away from the TV. Get them away from your tablet. Get them away from your laptop, your iPhone, and so on. That is a big deal. Give yourself at least a half an hour to an hour rest if you are struggling with insomnia. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know that that's important, but I also have a little bit of a problem where I uh, really like to check a few things on my phone right before bed. Anybody else out there like that? It doesn't seem to impact me. But I still think it's a bad habit. In other words, the last thing I do is I look at my phone, turn off the ringer, I set it next to me, and I go right to sleep. And nine times out of ten, I go right to sleep. No issue. But if you struggle with sleep, you've got to figure out a way to get away from that blue light. I think it's a big, big deal. Darkness matters. Get some blackout curtains if you don't have them. 
Make your room dark. It makes a big, big difference. And then maybe one of the biggest things is, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cortisol curve here in just a minute. Stop adding stress before bedtime. Don't have stressful conversations right before bed. Don't watch Law & Order SVU. Watch a sitcom. Or don't watch TV at all. And especially stay away from CNN and Fox News. Holy smokes, talk about stressful, right? Get that stuff out of your head before it's time to go to bed. Get your routine to be more relaxing, more calming, more stress-relieving. Laughter, they say, is the best medicine. I think I probably agree, even though I never make any money when people laugh. But regardless, that's okay, right? Laughter is awesome. And so really, playing a game with your family, your kids, watching a sitcom, reading something funny or interesting but not stressful is a big deal. So those are some of the lifestyle things you can do. What else can you do? What about supplements? People hear about melatonin, right? If, if you think about sleep, and I really think this is true, if you were to ask 100 people like they do on uh, Family Feud, right? Survey says, what would you take to help you with sleep? Melatonin would probably be number one. I think Ambien might be number two. That's my guess in terms of the things people are the most aware of, right? Well, the problem with that is that even though melatonin is technically considered a natural supplement and it's sold over the counter without prescription and everything else, it is a synthetic hormone is what it actually is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes synthetic hormones, eh, not so good, and sometimes they seem pretty pretty tame. Melatonin seems to be one of the tame ones, although there are concerns that if you take melatonin for too long and at too high a dose, you can actually get to the point not where you're addicted to it, but where your body produces less of it and you'll actually need to use more of it. And you definitely don't want that. But the biggest issue with melatonin is it simply doesn't work that well for a lot of people. Now, why is that? What What is melatonin? It's a hormone that is secreted from the pineal gland in the brain at night, and it has to do with regulating your sleep and wake cycle. And as we age, we get less natural production of it. Now, one little word of warning. If you've got a kid who can't sleep, melatonin is almost never the problem. Almost never the problem. Why do I say that? Because kids are young. And generally speaking, they're going to produce plenty of melatonin. So while melatonin can help them sleep, I'm not saying it won't work. I think it's a bad idea. There are better options, even though melatonin is relatively safe. um, I think there are better options, and some of those options will be on this list. Now, I'm not saying that melatonin is a bad thing. It's not. For the people it works for, it works great. It mostly works to help you fall asleep, more so than help you stay asleep. We have a sustained-release melatonin that releases over, you know, throughout the night. And some people find that that helps them stay asleep as well. And if that works, that's great. But let's talk about what I think is a greater issue. And that is that stress thing. Now, my experience has been in talking to people year after year after year after year, vitality and nutrition about their sleep issues, that most of the people I talk to, not all, but most of the people I talk to that can't go to sleep or can't stay asleep have that what I call racing brain syndrome. You know, the brain just won't shut off. They got all kinds of thoughts going on. And I will tell you, if I ever have a problem falling asleep, it's always that problem. That's the thing. 
that hits me. It's not that I'm not tired. It's not that I'm not pumping out melatonin. It's that I got so many things on my mind, all the stuff I got to get done tomorrow. What am I going to talk about on my radio show? What's going on with my daughter? Why is she, why'd she have a hard day? Whatever it is, there's all that stuff that happens, right? And stress is a major factor because stress produces cortisol. It produces norepinephrine. It produces epinephrine out of the adrenals. And if you look at what I, what's called the cortisol curve, basically what's supposed to happen is around 7 a.m., we ought to be basically getting our internal alarm clock should be going off. And that is cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine. These things are at their peak at that point. At about 3 or 4 a.m., they start to climb, start to wait, start to slowly wake us up. Much like melatonin, as it gets dark, starts to slowly make us tired. So the other thing happens, and if you look at the curve, you can see that melatonin and uh, cortisol are, you know, polar opposites in terms of when they peak and when they valley and so on and so forth. But what if you live in America and you've got a difficult job and family life has challenges and uh, whatever else is going on and you're just stressed out? You're one of these candidates for something like Xanax every once in a while. Well... That level of stress that's consistent, that puts you in that fight-or-flight mode all the time, will change the cortisol curve because where cortisol should be from 7 a.m. all the way till about 3 a.m. the next morning on a constant downward trajectory, when we're stressed out all the time, then instead of going downward, it keeps peaking back up, peaking back up, peaking back up, and eventually that curve can literally shift where we're actually producing too much cortisol too early in the night. Maybe it's producing at its peak at 2 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. Well, what happens then? Well, your internal alarm clock's going off. And whether that wakes you up or the need to go to the bathroom wakes you up, the fact that you can't fall back asleep is often due to too much cortisol in the system. Too much stress. The mind won't calm down. The body feels it and cortisol is produced. So there's a few answers for that. And if that sounds like you, you need to look into a couple of things. Ashwagandha, specifically one called Sensoril Ashwagandha, is amazing. It's an herb, I talked about it last week, that you can use for anxiety, and it's great for anxiety during the day, but it's also great for that nighttime anxiety and stress that's keeping you awake at night. Because clinically, they've proven it reduces cortisol in the blood by about 24%. That's a big deal. 24% reduction makes a big difference, and a lot of people feel a lot better when they use ashwagandha. You can use it during the day because it won't make you sleepy, just allows you to calm down, and you can use it at night to help you sleep. And I highly encourage both forms of usage uh, with um, ashwagandha because it really is amazing stuff. How about the stuff that can maybe help your brain shut up? right? Uh, that racing brain syndrome, there's a, a neurotransmitter. It's called an inhibitory neurotransmitter. It's called GABA, G-A-B-A. Gamma aminobutyric acid is what it's also known as. That's why they call it GABA. Well, GABA is released when our body needs or when our brain needs to calm down, when there's overaction in the brain, too much mental stress, mental racing. It's been clinically proven that people who are reported to have things like ADHD don't produce enough GABA to calm their mind. So GABA is something that can be used for 
that purpose as well. But it's fantastic to shut your brain down a little bit. Just to say, hey, man, shut up. I don't need to be thinking of all these things. I need to, just need to go to bed and go to sleep. And GABA comes in a specific form as well. I mentioned sensoril. Sensoril is the best kind of ashwagandha. Well, pharma GABA is the best kind of GABA. It's a natural fermentation that makes GABA that is bioidentical. It's just like the stuff that our bodies use. It crosses the blood-brain barrier. It works incredibly well. And my favorite form is a chewable because it works really quick. So if you wake up at 2 in the morning and you need to go back to sleep, a couple of those chewables on your nightstand can be an absolute lifesaver. Now, another thing that I love is called L-theanine, something else I talked about for anxiety last time. L-theanine helps the body produce more GABA, but it also helps to calm thing, the mind down and, and put you into that meditative state, which is awesome for sleep. So, which one's better, GABA or theanine? Theanine or ashwagandha? GABA, theanine, or ashwagandha? It's a good question, and that's where I said trial and error. They're all safe to use together. But they can also be used independently. In fact, at the very end of the show, I'm going to highlight something called Vital Sleep, which is a formula that I actually developed that has GABA, theanine, and ashwagandha in it. And it works really, really well for a lot of people. But what about some of the other things that you can use? How about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the one thing out of these things that I talked about that is an actual deficiency you might have because 80 2% of Americans are considered to be at least subclinically deficient, if not clinically deficient, in magnesium. What does magnesium do? It relaxes muscles, nerves, tendons, ligaments, all that kind of stuff. It can relax the way even the brain. It, it helps with mental fatigue, mental racing, things like that. Not on the same level GABA does, but it does help with that. But magnesium helps everything to relax. You just kind of melt a little better into your bed when you have enough magnesium. And you can get that in a powder form. You can drink warm at night in a liquid. A lot of people do that. Some people take it in capsule. My favorite magnesium is called magnesium glycinate. And then I also love concentrate minerals, which is what I use as my primary source of magnesium. And that is fantastic as well. And how about CBD? We just talked about CBD before. Well, I've had some people say that it is an absolute godsend for sleep. And I've had other people say it didn't do a dang thing. And that's just what CBD is with sleep. Now, if it's anxiety, it's awesome. And more often than not, it's going to make a big difference for you. If it's pain, it's awesome. And I would say more often than not, it's going to make a big difference for you. But if it's insomnia, mm, CBD is great for the people it's great for. It doesn't make that big of a difference for some people. So you just have to kind of try it and see. But all of these things that I talked about can be used either independently or in combination uh, with each other. And in the case of that vital sleep that I talked about, it is a combination of many of these things, including melatonin. And uh, so that's something that can be used as well. All of these are safer for kids than melatonin, in my opinion, and certainly safer than something like Benadryl, which uh, oftentimes is resorted to by parents that can't get their kids to go to sleep. Now, another big thing with kids, if you're having a problem with kids falling asleep, Look at their diet, especially their nighttime diet, and make sure that you're not giving them a lot of sugar. You're not giving them a lot of dyes. In fact, just get out of those things. Talk about ridiculous. This artificial red color, red 40, it's garbage. It's toxic. It's carcinogenic. And it messes with the human neurological system, especially 
especially in kids that are ADD, ADHD, and adults as well, get it out of the house. You don't need it. There's plenty of things that are naturally uh, colored. You don't need that red color. Get rid of it if you're having a hard time sleeping because it can play a role as well. There are also herb teas that are really effective and herbal capsules, things like chamomile, valerian, hops, stuff like that, all can be very, very useful. One thing that a lot of people use, especially if you're wanting to lose some weight and you're having a hard time sleeping or you're not getting a deep enough sleep, something called nightburn. Now, nightburn is, does not have melatonin, but it does have the theanine. It does have lemon balm, which helps with GABA, and it has ashwagandha, and people really like nightburn, too, for sleep. That's a, a good one as well. So either of those things can work, or the independent things. And, of course, if you have more questions, like I said, you can just ask us. One other thing I'll mention, though, I talked about magnesium, and I think this is a big deal. An Epsom salt bath before bed can be fantastic, but you can also do something that's kind of the same thing with magnesium oil, lotion, or gel rubbed on the bottom of each foot before you go to bed. Now, what's cool about that is it doesn't go through the digestive system, so if you get too much magnesium through the digestive system, it can give you a little bit of diarrhea. This will never happen with the magnesium oil on your feet. But if you put it on your feet, it can relax the whole body. It absorbs really, really well. And a lot of people find that helps them sleep better at night. And talk about a simple fix that's very economical. There are a lot of options. If there's nothing that you get from Vitality Radio other than this little nugget, and that is that there are things you can do in pretty much every case before you resort to a pharmaceutical. And in almost every case, you'll be happier because of it. That's what I want to get across to you on Vitality Radio. I'm going to have to go. The show is over. Thank you for listening to me. I sure appreciate it. Jared St. Clair, this has been another episode of Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.